With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. As we see, some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody. Spit. As was aforementioned, Spit Podcast with David Lee Scales and yours truly, Scott Bass. And a big yeah guy to uh, everybody out there in podcast land. It is September 16th. It's the day after the Hurley Pro at Lowers. And David, good morning. Good morning, Scott. Nice to be here in your, um, I don't know, is this your, your board board. Don't cellar? hold back. <laughs> this is it's kind um, of a mess in here. I mean, we owe proper... Props to the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center for being our home studio. But today we're recording in San Diego, California, in your board storage facility. Yes. That's, that's pretty radical. That's a, that was a pleasant way to describe it. It's what it is. I'm into it. It's sort of half man cave, half garage. Um, it's where all the big meetings happen. I see your white erase board right there. You got some big <laughs> ideas going down. I do. There's a lot going down. <laughs> Three big topics. There's a lot of... <laughs> opportunity to throw some ideas at me david are you hoping for me to actually help fill that in no not hoping just i would have come more prepared well you know sometimes no preparation is the best preparation (laughs) oh well today you actually have preparations i always have preparation no of course not always let me back yeah did you see how you like you just nicked a little nerve a little nerve just a little back pain you said no preparation is the best preparation i'm saying sometimes i said sometimes got it well, um, there's also guitar storage in here, not yeah. just surfboard storage. Yeah. And today's Kaboo down in Del Mar. That's what I thought maybe you were down here for. Yeah, it's not. Uh, or no, that's not why I'm here, but um, music festival, right? Yeah, big music festival in Del yeah. Mar at the fairgrounds. It's a pretty cool thing. Too. Is it? I mean, I've never been, but... Saw some Instagram stories from you last night. From me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were doing your private Kaboo Oh, yeah, show? yeah, yeah. That was Kaboo. But yeah... Um, I mean, the headliners, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, who would be great, who I've heard that. are really good in concert. That's, That's tomorrow night, Sunday night. Okay. And there's a bunch of bands playing Ice Cube, and they do a really good mix. Like Michael McDonald, I think you might have saw Chris Cote's yeah. thing. He, it was pretty funny. He's interesting. Like, his music taste is really, it's a lot closer to mine than I would have imagined. But it's his is much more eclectic. He's, totally. He's all over the board. Like, yeah. he'll, he'll, he'll break out some random knowledge of, like, ABBA, yeah, and then be totally down with the most hip new rap guy, whoever that might be. You know, like he's. I think he's just very into all of it. Yeah, you know, he's he just is. very into music, so yeah. he's got like strong opinions about everything and listens to everything. And yeah, yeah, it's funny. So, um, look, we just watched some of the Hurley Pro, right? Yeah. Maybe set up the listeners for what it is we just watched that will kick off. Well, let's. Our yeah, I mean, spitballing here. We usually freestyle it for 20 minutes at the beginning of the show but we need to get right into this Hurley Lowers Pro just ended yesterday Felipe Toledo won 
You and I just watched one heat from that final, and that was Jordy's nine-point ride. Yeah. Felipe won the final because he got two scoring rides. Jordy sat out the back waiting for a wave the entire time, midway through the heat, got a nine. So he was in a really good position and never got a second wave. And Felipe was staying busy on the inside, and he got you know an eight and a seven, six, seven. Um, but Jordy's nine is the topic of discussion. It really is. You know, um, as soon as it happened, everyone—I mean, not everyone—myself, I went, "You've got to be kidding me!" There's no way that was a nine. Matt Warshaw immediately went on Twitter and oh. was calling BS on it. And of course, your co-host on the Grit, Chaz Smith, posted some stuff on Beach Grit about it. Immediately going, "Look, that can't be a nine. And um, and I, I tend to agree. I do not think what we just witnessed, that wave, was a nine. Hmm. Um, and I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are on it. Was he overscored? And if he was, doesn't it seem to play into the conspiracy theory that this is the year that they're scripting Jordy Smith to win the world title? Before this heat, I would say, hey, look, Jordy's deserve, deserving of where he's at. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's not deserving of where he's at now holding the yellow jersey, but I am saying – that that nine only helps to salt the wound of the conspiracy theorists. That simply wasn't a nine. Yeah. I. So is there a conspiracy theory that they're scripting Jordy? Because previously... The, There's one in my brain, yes. The, the theory that you and I previously discussed was it was scripted for Owen. Remember? Something scripted. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're changing the Look, script? Be, well, no. Before the script was sort of like loose, we could actually interchange names. Now we're, we've solidified who it is that they're pushing. Got it. Be, based on this nine. Oh, okay. Understood. Glad I understand. So it, what's interesting... <laughs> so you, you, it doesn't sound like you're buying into the conspiracy theory. I'll, I'll dig in a little bit. Um, let me back up by saying I actually haven't watched anything... I haven't read any website, read anybody's Instagram comments since the event ended. So I didn't know that there was controversy about this wave. And I'm kind of glad to have not been jaded by any of that. You want me to run it again while you talk? No, no, no. I I remember watching it and feeling like it was overscored, but then kind of forgetting about it because Felipe went on to win the heat or win the event. So it was kind of like, oh, well, the right guy won. Even though my money, of course, is on Jordy. Yeah. Uh, but to answer your question, it was totally overscored. There were there was one big turn. I think what happens sometimes is, first of all, everybody who views surfing is doing it subjectively. And so we're always trying to add objectivity to scoring. And I really think it's impossible. And I think this is one example of that in that there's all this momentum kind of um, behind Jordy and we're watching him on his way to win what could potentially be his first world title. He's ripping throughout the event. We know the potential that he has, but he's not quite hit that, that potential yet. And then he's sitting out the back for 15 minutes and we're just dying for him to catch a wave. So by the time he does catch a wave, I think everybody's kind of got all that anticipation infused into the viewing of it. And, uh, so I think that might influence the score more than it like being an actual, um, you know, decision that the judges are making that they want to script it or that they want to overscore him. I think it might just be an overscore coming out of all of that 
anticipation. You know, you bring up an interesting point. I'm going to throw something at you. There's certain locations on tour that seem to lend themselves towards the audience and the people on the beach having an effect on the judging. Yeah. And this is one of those places where the judges are literally on the ground, more or less, like they're in their scaffold, but everyone's surrounding them. If there was ever to be an insurrection of the judging tower, it would be during the lowers event where everybody could just turn around and flip them off. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you think of other events, perhaps J-Bay, I don't know, I've never been there, but where the judges are a little bit more removed from Mm -hmm. the vibe that you're talking about on the beach where people are just anticipating it's happening. We've got a bunch of Jordy lovers and Jordy catches his only, his first wave of the heat and he does one big powerful turn and oh my God, Jordy's back in it. Yes. Does all of that energy somehow subconsciously get into the judging mind frame? I think so. How can it not? You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying is we're trying to make it objective, but it's, I think it's impossible to, you know? Well, I would agree with that. That's why for years I've, I've argued with you that in the true sense of the word sport, surfing is not one. It's certainly an athletic endeavor and I won't go down that path again, but, um, subjective judging is tough. Now pots, you may have caught some of the what Martin Potter said during the replay on the heat analyzer, he goes a nine. Wow. Mm-hmm. And he said it with the tone of that's overscored. Yeah. It wasn't like, yeah, he deserved it. It was like, wow, what did they see that I didn't see? It must be this one turn is where all the points be, you know, were had. Yeah. Or basically, you know, sort of I paraphrasing think- what he said, but he was basically saying it must be this one turn because those other turns didn't offer anything for, for gaining points. I agree. Yeah, the first two were kind of just like climbing, set up. They were critical, but he wasn't like putting his weight into it at yeah. all. Um, and then the one big turn was sick, and then two quick more climbs that weren't that sick. I would like, one, I, yeah, two. Maybe. Big, okay, so maybe what would you one, have scored? One, that? one more. What would you have scored? I think that? that was like a six, eight, seven. I thought so too. I, my mind went into the sixes. Yeah, when I was watching that's it. A, that's why it's so mind blowing. It's not like oh, it could have been a seven nine, and they gave it a nine or no. a seven point eight. It was two and a half points less than what yeah. was received. I, I'm just sort of. Um, I just really feel like they're like it's all about Jordy, and let's get Jordy. Let's get a South African, yeah, a world title. How else do you explain what? But, you know, they've made mistakes like this in the past, though. I, the one that comes to mind, the most egregious one, actually, was, was Jay. Tan- Tanner Godowskis and Gabe Medina last year here. That's, that was, too. But I was thinking of Jay Bay this year, Frederico Morias over John John Florence. Yeah. When it came down to, like, uh, the f- closing minute of the heat, Frederico needed an eight-something. He got a wave. Remember, he, like, slid out kind of on the first turn and then recovered and then kind of safety surfed it to the end. And everybody who watched it was thinking... I don't think this is going to be an eight something. And then he got a 10. It was like, what? Yeah. That was not even close to a 10. When you look at Jordy's 10s in the event, yeah. Felipe's 10s, it was like. There was no transition. That was, that was not even close. Yeah. I didn't even think it would be the eight point whatever that he needed. Right. Because Much he went to 10. a dead stop after that first turn. He kind of had to regain himself yeah. and get some speed going down the line. It just wasn't a 10. And so you, what's your argument there? It's just a failure of the judge is what, is what it is. You know, it's not like. Oh, they want Frederico to beat John John. If anything, they probably want to push John John through. So, assuming that the judges had something, you know, I think that WSL needs to invest in in the judging. And I don't know what that means specifically. Yeah. Um, if it's more training, if it's pay them more, if it's 
if it's really get the best guys and pay them well, I, you know, I don't know what the, obviously it, it means training. The NFL has this problem too with their referees and their umpires. You've got this massive league which makes billions, which literally prints money. It's so, you know, it's so well off. And there's often, it becomes the subjective thing about, you know, who interfered with who, mm-hmm. wh- what foul should we have called. And they've decided to hire refs full time. They did this a few years ago and they've put a lot of money into, uh, maintaining the integrity of the sport. And I think that the WSL needs to look at it. Now, the WSL is not as cash-rich as the NFL is, so that, you know they're limited with their resources. But I think Sophie Goldschmidt should look into at least giving the appearance that they're trying to to do something with the judging because all it takes – the thing is is that you can have half a year of great judging and it just takes one of these – and it stands out like, you know, mm-hmm. a needle, or not a needle, but, you know, it really stands out like a sore thumb, I should mm-hmm. say. So anyway, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. But. Yeah, well, throughout the rest of the event, though, how did you feel about the judging as a whole? I wasn't very pleased with it at all. I'll tell really? you why. And, and Surfline, I don't know if you followed anything that Surfline was doing, but Marcus Sanders um, put out a couple little there – was, there was some undertones of, hey, this whole event is being scored on rail surfing. I saw a heat – I think it was Gabe Medina's heat. Gabe Medina was doing – oh, and there was another – so Gabe Medina was doing insane airs like that Gabe does that nobody else. You know, just the standard Gabe air reverse, poke the nose, pull it around. But incredible. If anyone else tries to do that, they fall, yeah. right? But because Gabe does it, it's like, okay, no big deal. Right. Gabe was surfing above the lip and – he wasn't rewarded for it. There was another guy, Stu Kennedy, in a heat with, I think, Ace Bucken, did aerials mm-hmm. and followed through with the aerial with speed, power, flow, tons of turns and aerials. Ace Bucken was doing that vertical backhand yeah. attack that he has, but that's all. He wasn't coming out of the wave. And I feel like, look, at lower trestles, we need to be surfing above the lip with speed, transition, with flow, with power, yeah. connecting everything. And I just think if... And, and so the Surfline article was like, hey, they're really s- judging on powerful rail turns here. They're not yeah. judging on perform- on raising the performance levels of the surfers. It looked more like an NSSA Nationals contest than it did, let's push the barriers here. Let's And, and by the way, you can do both. See, that's yeah, exactly. the thing is that the guys are doing big aerials and then doing big rail gouges and big, you know, Gabe's doing it all. Felipe's doing it all. John John's doing it all. But even those guys, it seems like they adapted. Now, there was an article. I'll, I'll, I'll quote some stuff here from yeah. Surfline. By the way, you and I have been saying this for years, that the transition between turns is what helps to make a good style, right? What mm-hmm. takes place, or better put, what doesn't take place mm-hmm. between the turns is what separates a clean style from a guy who's lacking in style. What's, what's taking place between the turns? All of these surfers can do the turns, but it's like what happens between these turns. And Surfline said... It's been three days down here, and I'm quoting what Marcus Sanders wrote for Surfline. We think we might have a theory about how surfing's different slash better now than it was in the 1990s. Transitions, holding speed between turns, not bobbling, not doing double or triple pump bottom turns, not sacrificing style to go for one huge Hail Mary. Again, this is what you and I have been discussing for over you know a couple, three years now. That that's what makes Julian look so much better yeah. than, say... Frederico, by the way, is the counterpoint to Julian. He double, triple bottom pump, bottom turns. I don't like his style. I don't either, but He's he does... speed 2.0, in he, my opinion. That's a good call, actually. Yeah. He does gnarly frontside gouges, but it's that 
bottom turn double check that he does before he gets to the turn that I don't like, you know? He does have the one real powerful bead hack, which is beautiful, and beads is beautiful. It's cool, but it's kind of like that's his move. And occasionally, oh, he might slide the fins out, and then he looks a little awkward regaining things. Like, he doesn't have that transition. Well, talking about Stu Kennedy versus Ace Buck. Did you see that heat? I did. Oh, good. And I had Ace on my fantasy team because he always makes the final series out there. And... I while I agree with you in theory that like Stu should be rewarded for getting gnarly above the lip, you know, doing airs or whatever. When I watch Ace surf, I cannot fault it. I watch them go back to back, and when Ace does his backside, you know, eight turns down the line, I go, "Well, that's an eight five. Like that's so sick." And he is doing different turns throughout it. It's not really repetitive, yeah. and he is like the the angle and the kind of. Um, I don't know, degree of turn that he fits into the pocket is just such a tight, tight angle. It's so gnarly. It's like kind of like Mick Fanning in a sense where, yeah, we know what Mick's going to do when he gets up, but he does it so well that you it, you can't criticize it. I agree. I totally agree. Um, however, I would suggest to you that I guess the question needs to be posed to the WSL. Are we trying to raise performance levels to a place? Are we trying to push the sport into new areas? And if we are, then we need to reward people that are willing to take the risk. You know Ace Bucken is not going to go backside and do some sort of aerial because he cannot do that. But he is pushing the limits of... Riding the wave face. Of Yeah, riding the wave face and fitting into tighter arcs and angles and all that sort of stuff. And you could argue that Stu Kennedy actually isn't pushing the limits because he's doing an air reverse that we've already seen a bunch of other times, and he's not doing it to the degree that Felipe is doing it. Felipe's right, pushing. but if everybody starts to do air reverses, then Felipe and Gabe are like, okay, well, we've got to up our game. See, I'm just trying to push the whole thing to another level. now. So everybody in the top 16 needs to be busting air reverses, ah. doing power. Now, mm-hmm. now guess what's going to happen? Gabe's going to have to do a Superman or backflip or something. And now we've pushed the level, the performance. And in 10 years, backflips are going to be passe. And who knows what they're going to be doing. See, but you're specifically pushing it in one direction, aerial direction. And I think that's actually the mistake. I think it's important to recognize Ace is pushing it just as far in this other area. And he's actually doing what he's doing better than what Stu Kennedy is doing. Because like I said, compare Stu Kennedy's air to Felipe's air. And there's no comparison. Right, but but Stu's surfing against Ace Pocket. In that heat. And so you can't compare those two things. And I'm not saying we only need to go in the air. I'm saying what we said, what we agreed on earlier in the, in the broadcast, which is what we want to see is both. And they yeah. and Stu did that. He did an air reverse. Then he did some beautiful swooping power rail turns. Yeah. Ace, I agree. I, I actually like the way Ace surfs. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's kind of flawless. And mm-hmm. he does do different stuff. One of his backside vertical attacks will bust the fins out all yeah, the way. Exactly. Others, he'll do the swooping you know, rail turn. And I'm not saying anything bad about Ace's surfing, but what I'm saying is that how about mixing in a big, powerful air reverse there and doing those turns that you've done eight of in a row right? on every single wave? I think it's ideal. That would be the ideal scenario. Um, that actually reminded me, too. There was a heat. I forget who Ace was surfing against. It might have been Adriano, actually, where they – jockeyed for positioning and they ended up sitting for a very long time without catching a wave and then by the time the wave came 
this this conversation, by the way, I'm categorizing uh, under what we were talking about with Jordy, where there was so much anticipation that we almost just like gifted him the score because we just wanted to see him do something. That's what happened in this ace heat. Again, Adriano, he we waited so long and they battled each other. And we were just like dying, like, guys, just surf. Please just surf. So by the time Ace got a wave, we were so grateful that he even caught a wave that he wasn't battling Adriano that we just go, okay, dude, here comes. We're going to add another two points to this score because we're just so grateful to watch somebody surf. And what he did was he he went right, but he almost took off on the left. So he had to like clear a bunch of ground to get to the open face. And he did like a float in a kind of critical uh, foam climby section that was dangerous to do because he could have fallen off. So it wasn't like a high scoring maneuver, but it would have jeopardized the ride because he easily could have fallen. And then he did another one and then he got to the open face and ripped it. So those first two setup turns, I was just like, you need critical turns for the big score. So I don't think this is going to go very high. I think it's will go into the six range, but because of the anticipation that we had, he got an eight out of it. Yeah. Out of just, we were so grateful for that. You know? Yeah. Grateful for you guys not out positioning one another on that wave. And so I watched it live and I remember feeling that way internally where I just wanted to gift Ace something. And then I thought to myself, I think all the viewers feel that way. I think all the viewers are now on Ace's side, regardless of the actual numbers. They just want Ace to win now because they're thankful. And how can the judges not be feeling that way? Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's fascinating, right? So it kind of speaks to guess who the real stars are. The waves. The waves the are the waves. real stars. Oh, I never heard that and before. on this particular event, the waves lacked. I, there was moments. I but. agree with you of, in theory, as we've discussed in the past. However, I will say I loved this event. Like there was um, a cattiness to it and a real people were starved for waves at times. And that added to the drama. Yeah. And so I loved that people kind of trying to claw their way through the event that added drama for me that I enjoyed. Yeah. I think especially in the early rounds, yeah. I was a little bit disappointed, but as the event went on, you know, I agree with you. It, it was still engaging from a fan's perspective for whatever reason. But using that final as an example to your argument is I would have far preferred them to both surf 10 waves in the final 10 set waves each would have been better. And they would have been able to do that even in this rather lackluster swell if they would trim the amount of surfers and run in the event in two and a half days or two days, even one day, frankly. Um, is this where I deliver your congratulations, no, by the way, for I the WSL? I want to get back to this oh, transitions okay. piece from Surfline. Here's what Jordy had to say about how the judges are scoring transitions. Jordy, quote, I don't like to see double pumping between sections. I think of it when you're watching videos. What do you want to see? You don't want to see a guy do five bottom turns then and off the top. You just want to see absolutely flowing from one to the next. Here's what John John Florence had to say. If you do an aerial, you have to make it functional. You have to land and carry your speed into the next turn, and that's the next step. Transitions are everything out here at Trestles. You see a lot of guys, and me too, do an air and land, and you have to reset yourself to get going again. But the goal is to land straight into something. Felipe's got it down. They've been scoring that the whole event. If you carry speed the whole wave, you're going to get an eight or higher. Transitions are almost being scored more than turns. If you keep speed, you're going to get an excellent score. So that's think, from Jordy and John John. I think Kanoa does it really well. I don't know if you remember his heat against Julian Wilson. There was one that Julian got like a sick wave and uh, Kanoa got the very next one out the back and he did bottom turn, 
bang, air reversed through the lip, landed, went straight into a bottom turn, boom, big snap right in the like super critical section of the wave. And I thought that particular transition itself was so gnarly. I was like, whoa, that's that's the next level. Kanoe Igarashi, I think, is going to be a world champion. What? Yeah. No way. His style lacks a little bit. It's almost like he needs to grow into it. Mm-hmm. He seems like he's going to be a big kid, too. He's going to be like Jordy size. See, I... You know him. Well, he's You've Jap- seen he's him. Japanese, first yeah, of no. all, so I don't think... There's big Japanese people. Are there? Yeah, sumo wrestlers, right? <laughs> wow, you are so... I want to say racist, but I don't know if that's... No, there's only two types, no, wait, right? Dude, there's... No, there's not two types. Sumo and super small sinewy. Yeah, that's it. No. There's, are you sure? No. Pretty sure. No, so... I, I mean... They have a basketball team, an Olympic basketball team with seven footers. Kanoa's dad's pretty tall, but he is still super thin. I just... To get back to it, I don't think... Look, first of all, it's not a big stretch to say that, but I think it's a stretch to hear that come from me. <laughs> but I do too I'm, actually. I'm pretty impressed. Well, okay, I I'm not convinced that he will become a world champ. What's he missing? Um big backside barrels, I would say. Okay, I would Although agree with that. he finaled that pipe obviously in his rookie year, but it was back that was door. Right. Yeah, that it was It was right. like 6 foot back door. But what um, did he do at pipe that made you He answered the call at pipe competitively. But I haven't that's seen That's what I'm saying. I haven't but, but seen with him pressure the, on with all the pressure on to get his buddy yeah. Zeke into the ma- oh, into yeah. the CT. He answered the call like a and he's done that and he did that in this event when he had to do the resurf with Mick. He answered the call. That's a place where a young guy's normally going to fail. And I don't question that ability. I'm questioning his ability in big backside barrels. And not, okay, and, so, and not that I, not that he doesn't. I just haven't seen it proven. No, I'm just adding to both of ours. But I made like, that the argument. The only thing he's missing is the backside barrel. Maybe. 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 So I made that argument With for Kanoa oh. before he qualified. I was like, his competitive game is so tight, but we haven't seen it got get uh, tested yet on the CT level. Well, now we've seen it tested over and over on the CT level, and he doesn't falter. Well, he comes up against yeah. – Ju- Julian Wilson was his favorite surfer when he was a kid. Yeah. Now he's surfing against him and just throwing Schooling. hammers, dude. Yeah. And Julian looked he on looked point. shaking. I well, he up, up until that part. Yeah, right, and then he got exactly. shaken. Yeah. yeah. So I think I agree with you. I'm super into Kanoa. My criticism is similar to yours. Or my, um, he needs to grow into his body. Exactly. Like, I remember when Kaloe first came on tour, and it was like, he is Puppy so dog. technically sound, and his airs are so gnarly, but he's not that strong. And so when you watch him surf against Jordy, it's just, you can't even compare the two. Which maybe that's why Jordy got that huge score, because... He's just so freaking powerful that that one turn that he does, nobody else can do because nobody else is that big. Nobody else moves that much water. So it's very impressive to see, especially in contrast to a skinny guy on tour. So that's what Kanoa is going to have to contend with. But, you know, he doesn't fall and he puts together two eights in every single heat. And that's something that most people can't say. How many years before Kanoa is the world champion? I don't think he's going to be world champ. Really, I think he's amazing. I don't. Why don't you think he'll be world champ? What is it? I'll that, tell you. Yeah, I think he's like his. Um, he'll he'll always be kind of in the top ten percent or whatever top ten guys on tour. He's going to fall into Kolohe and Dino. The the it factor or that magic, like that extra little something that yeah. makes somebody you haven't seen magic. That. I don't get that from him. I get. A very technically sound 
surfer, but it's right. kind of feels like it's been coached his whole life yeah. and that he was groomed for it. Yeah. The, the, what John John has yeah. it and what, um, Kelly definitely has. I don't see that in Kanoa. Right. So it's almost too polished. There's no real, like a little rock and roll ragged edge. Exactly. Yeah. And for Gabriel and Adriano, two former world champs, it is grit and determination. That's their thing, you know, and that has an element of pizzazz. Or we would look at Andy Irons, and it was just like the um, yeah. the unexpected. His was, ability yeah. to, you know, improvise is what's super-duper exciting in surfing. That's always been what's exciting in surfing. That's what's exciting with Dane. Kanoa doesn't really have that like think raw that, edge. Think about that that wave right after Julian's wave, where he did everything, where he answered the bell. You don't sense that there was a bit of pizzazz. You don't sense that when he took off on that wave, he knew Julian's getting a score in front of me right now, and the whole crowd's on the beach, and it's time for me to perform like Mick Jagger. And he surfed that wave pretty damn good. He, he did like amazing. six or seven totally different moves, all with speed, power, flow. Like, yeah. What's missing from that wave that makes you go, he doesn't have rock and roll? It, um, rock and roll? Yeah. Just a spark? That's, that's, he didn't have spark? It's hard for me to even articulate it or, and convince myself. Right. It just happens when I'm viewing it. There's an art to the way Dane Reynolds rides a wave that I feel like is missing from Kanoa. Well, yeah, but there's a lot missing from Dane Reynolds' mental state to make him a world champion. I'm talking of about course. world champion. Of course. And I'm, I'm not talking about Kanoa. So let me ask you this. It almost feels like Kanoa needs to go out get drunk or something. Like He needs to like become a man. Like He's still kind of under the shadow of the patriarch that's guided him to this point. I completely agree like, with he that almost, like, if, like if he got like a a Yoko Ono in his life and kind of like went on the skids for a year and then went, Oh shit, I got to get my act back together and come back. Like he almost needs like an Aki fall down to come back to be number one. Like he needs, he needs to grow some hair under his armpits. We used, people used to talk about, or I guess it was Ross Williams voice that I'm thinking about. Talk about, uh, Mick Fanning needs to dirty it up a little bit. That's what the same thing was. It looks too formulaic and the formula is perfect, but I need a little spice in my life. But I do agree that, that look, we both agree, I think, that it's too early to, to say. You're saying you don't think, but I think it could happen. But we need to see him grow into his body a little bit more because his style does does lack a little bit of Brad Gerlach hand jive. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm here yeah. to be Michael Jackson. I agree. And I, so if we're talking about him going on a bender to, like, dirty it I'm up. Just, I'm no, just, but... I, let's, I'm using let's that as do, a metaphor, whatever that means. It could be a new girlfriend and he kicks his dad out of his life. It could mean... So let's do that for a minute. Yeah. I think if he does that, now's not the time. I think if you can kind of paint a picture or design Kanoa's career um, with a crystal ball, I think that phase comes later. I think he continues building the foundation. Phenomenal parenting. This is where it's gotten him phenomenal coaching, phenomenal kind of infrastructure around him and supporting him and build on that for a couple of years. And once he's established himself as kind of a top 10, top five competitor, bang, dirty it up and then take it to the next level. So when he's 26, 28 is when he may be a world title. Might be time for Julian to dirty it up then. 
Yeah. Based on that same, because that's the same example there. Yeah, but I kind of feel like Julian's not missing anything except what Julian's missing is like the mental state where Kanoa's already seems to have that wrapped True. up. It's like part of his Japanese culture is he's just like a samurai warrior. Like he's not going to be shaken. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But I'm a huge fan, of course. You know, I'm just, I want to yeah. see some art in no, it. No, look, we, we micro excavate these things. That's what we do here. We spit. Um, overall, um, let me ask you. Real quick, this is like the eighth or ninth event for Chloe Andino on the CT at his home break, and he he just cannot seem to figure it out. And it's I don't think he'll win a world title until he does good at lowers. Like it seems like he feels all the pressure in the world there. Yep, uh, I think unfortunately, I, I don't know that he made any mistakes there. You know what I mean? Like I watched his surfing and his heat management. I felt like he did everything right. Jaddy just went to town. Like Jaddy had his best heat of the year. <laughs> yeah, I'm, look, I'm not. I, I'm just saying he's never done good at I know, lowers. Jory Smith does great at J Bay. I know. Kaloe never seems you know, whatever the reason. Okay, Jaddy had a great heat. Well, the year before, what happened? I don't know. Exactly. And the year yeah. before that, what happened? Uh, there's yeah. been like eight or nine years. Yeah. How long has Kaloe been on tour? Yeah. Six or seven years. Six or seven years for sure. And. Yeah, you know, I, perform. I think his best performance is a ninth. I think that might have been last year. And you wonder though if maybe it's just too much focus. Like, dude, you're putting way too much energy and um, pressure on this situation. It's Michelle Berez always does poorly at Chopu. Yeah, know? I know. It's the same type of vibe. I yeah. agree with that. It's like you, you almost have to have like a Kelly Slater letting go moment yeah. and just kind of you need to relax you need to have yeah. fun like it's almost like he's not having at some point he stops having fun totally and it shows speaking of not having fun what the hell was going on with adriano did you see any of his post-heat interviews no oh my i gosh. saw one dude he was the most dour serious i mean uh barton lynch a couple people commented on adriano's vibe through this event they're like oh he's got his game face on he's hardly saying hi to anybody um he's just listening to his headphones you know you can't get any response out of him he's here to like win this thing and so i thought okay that's probably what it is but then in his post heat interviews it was something more than that it was like either family problem <laughs> dude, of the worst kind yeah. it was as if he suffered the greatest atrocity and now he's got to go back and face it again it was like he was being forced into some sort of prison labor camp instead of surfing lowers. Yeah, it was bizarre. There was one. Did he surf against Miguel Pupo, Pupo or was it Jadson? There was one where he surfed I against. Forget. And and Rosie interviewed him. And I, now that you mentioned this, it, I'm starting to go. Yeah, he was kind of. It was bizarre, dude. Yeah. Either yeah, it was clipped and short and dour and angry. I, not angry, but just like. I would love to poke fun at it, except I'm really concerned that like a close member of his family died and then I'll look like Get an a-hole. Chaz involved. He'll <laughs> Let him jump on that yeah, grenade. Exactly. Throw that one to him. <laughs> well, overall, a fun event. And um, I think it's time we talk about the next event. Well, before we do, Swatch Women's Pro, it was two women in the finals, Savannah Lima and... Um, I watched the final. But they, they neither of them had sponsors. That's the oh, that's one thing that stood out to me was like... The two best women in this event surfing at the most uh, radical wave on their tour, and neither have, corp- you know, professional support. 
That's shocking. Like, what's going on that we're in a position that that's happening? Well, look, women surfing from a from a corporate sponsorship standpoint. I don't know. There's a lot of conspiracy stuff to chew on. One of them is Ziff's wife no longer gives a crap. And so is some of the energy going away from women's pro surfing. Do, well, do you think Gold uh, Sophie Goldschmidt, that might infuse new blood into the women's world tour? I don't know that that's why she was brought on board. No. Um, I think you just got to follow the dollars. It's, you know, like... Okay. What's what's going to make the WSL money? Eyeballs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I think Keely Andrew is the question mark for me. Silvana, I understand. Like late in your career, it's hard to maintain sponsor sponsorship, of course. But um, Keely Andrew, I'm like, dude, she was she's been on tour. I think this is her second year. She's freaking on fire, and. Um, I was just shocked, you know, and I'd be well, I guess where I will be shocked is if she doesn't have a sponsor for the next event. And a listener actually emailed me and asked, he was like, it's a weird day that we're living in where guys like Parker Coffin can't stay sponsored and Andrew Doheny does, you know, that both guys that were on Volcom, Parker got dropped, Andrew stays on. And I didn't reply to the guy's email yet, but it's kind of like, well, there's how much was Parker making? And he wasn't worth that anymore. And Andrew might be making a fraction of that. And so it's worth keeping on. So there's details like that. But it's not based on how good of a surfer you are. Of course not. <laughs> it's based on how marketable you are. How much and even your social that, media influences. How many like, guys does – who does Doheny surf for? Ruka or something? Volcom. Volcom. How many guys does Volcom need to market their product? And oh, by the way, who do they have already? Yeah. Who do they have? Ozzy Wright. Mitch Colburn. Ryan Birch, um, I'm probably forgetting something. Yago Dora. So, okay, that's enough. Like, if we can't market our product with those five guys, by the way, we can market our product with two of those guys. Yeah. Let's get rid of those other guys. Yeah. There's way too huge of a labor pool for people to be complaining about Andrew Keeley not getting sponsored. <laughs> Keeley Andrew. Whatever her name is. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Look at it like this. You're Swatch. Who do you want to sponsor? Do you want to sponsor they, 10 women? Or no, do you want got, to sponsor one They one? got Courtney. That's all they need. Well, my, that's my point. Yeah. Volcom. How many guys do you want to sponsor? Yeah. Look, you and I should be sponsored. Yeah. But we're not because they've already got Mitch Colburn. They don't need us. Well, you know, it's funny. I initially feel some – I feel bad for those people like Why? that aren't sponsored. And then I sit back and I go – we don't owe them anything. Hell no. They're traveling the world surfing, like having the time of their lives. Why do we then owe them hundreds of thousands of dollars in addition to that? You know? And like, by the way. Birch is the only guy from Volcom that I think is offers something more than red hot surfing. Yeah. Well, so uh, Chloe Andino on Instagram posted prior to this event that he was going to donate all of his contest that was cool. winnings I saw that. to the hurricane relief. Yeah, that was cool. And he said it's a minimum of $20,000. So does the last place on the men's side get twenty k? No, I saw that as no matter what happens, I'm giving twenty grand. Oh, okay. That's how I read that. Okay. Because yeah. I remember a couple of years ago, last place was like 8000 bucks, which makes it worth your – like if you got to travel around the world or to that spot, lodging, all that, eight k makes it profitable, I guess. 
um, probably barely profitable in some scenarios if you're there for two weeks in Fiji or something. But uh, 20K, I was like, well, that now is a proper living times nine events throughout the year. You know, Again, nobody owes them a proper living but themselves. Yeah. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Um, speaking of proper living, I've heard some rumblings amongst the WSL. I don't know what you've heard. I don't know what's out there. I don't know what's on the internet, but I talked to somebody on the phone who's pretty close to the situation. And don't be surprised if there's a major shakeup beyond what's already out there that you and I've talked about. People have picked up on the waves of the stars let's trim the number of surfers let's only do it in good waves let's do all of those things but there's some more going on i've heard that don't be surprised next year if lowers isn't a qs a big time qs event if france isn't a big time qs event that they're going to they perhaps could restructure the tour so there's less events on the ct with less guys but it also gives QS guys more chance to be on the CT by having big time six ten ten star or six star whatever they're called ten thousand point yeah. QS events at these places that are now CT spots. So I don't think anybody really knows what the, what's in the stew, but I think that they're brewing something that could be challenge, could be shocking. Um, I mean, we haven't actually had a discussion since these rumors got leaked about the new format, but it's you mean the rumor that. Yes, that you. That's right. why I'm giving you your your right. congratulations. Because um, I see Stab like wrote something about it, like it's their idea or something. I'm like, no, what? it wasn't. They weren't writing it as if the, it was their idea. They said that the surfers had a meeting prior to the lowers event. The WSL called a meeting with the surfers yeah. and basically revealed what they want to implement for 2000. And Stab reported it as 2018. What I heard is it's actually going to be 2019, probably. But it's exactly what you've been promoting: shorter swell or shorter weight uh, event windows to run on one swell, fewer surfers, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And uh, so, congrats! This is your pat on the back, your official pat on the back. Are you going surfing? All right, cool. My daughter's going to go surfing. Um, here's the deal, though: is that I don't want to take credit for that. I'm not sure that that's my idea. I think that. It doesn't take a brain surgeon. It's, it's just that you and I talk about it for yeah. a long time. I know? think it's been in the 
in the ether. Yeah. You know, everybody's talking about right. what the changes are, right. but you definitely have been promoting it. Yeah. Um, what about the event that nobody's promoting, Kelly's Surf Contest, coming up here, the waiting period of September 17th through September 19th? That is the waiting period? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's um, tomorrow. It's Yeah, they're all, they've all flown up there. This is surfing's worst kept secret. Wait, the official. How do you have this information? September seventeenth through the nineteenth. Sources inside the WSL have told me this day. Oh, okay. And it promises three days of conditions so smooth they can only be guaranteed by a man calculated enough to hold eleven world titles. Boom. Here's who's in the event: John John Florence, Felipe Toledo. Is it Felipe or Felipe? I've heard it both ways. Felipe Toledo, Mick Fanning, Jordy Smith, Carissa Moore, Julian Wilson, Gabriel Medina, Steph Gilmore, Kanoa Igarashi, Joel Parco, and Matt Wilco. Who got snubbed from this event, and how do you think they feel about it if they didn't get invited? Lots of people got snubbed. I know. Well, who's number one snub? Jeez. John John's in it. Gabriel. How about Parco? No, Parco's in it. Gabriel's, Gabriel's the in number it. one snub. Gabriel's in it. Oh, shoot. Owen? I guess Koloe. Owen's in the top ten. Owen? Koloe? Yeah. Koloe's more of a snub, I think, than Owen. Yeah. I mean, these are like, Kelly picked these guys, I guess, with the WSL, because these are all CT people. Um, so what is this event? Does it have points attached? It obviously can't have points attached to it if it's a select. Nobody knows. That's the beautiful thing about this is that it's like the one wave on the planet where we all actually know where it is down to the google zip code and yet no one's talking about it yeah and this in some ways makes kelly slater not only the goat of surfing but the goat of irony yeah that this event like i said you didn't even know about it which surprises the hell out well no i know that it was going to happen i didn't know there was a waiting period for it or a window (laughs) And yeah, the dates there's were, a waiting the period. Dates were locked in. <laughs> and unfortunately, Kelly can't even surf it. Right. He's got the boot. Well, he'll be on the mic. Speaking of which, I ask you this. How many times will the phrase, this will be groundbreaking, be said during this contest? If Joe Turpel's on the mic, 82. Should there be electric shock for repetitive vocabulary by the announcers? Yes. A shock caller, I think. Shock. That would be cool. Yeah. We could get so, somebody to sponsor that. So when when the shock caller identifies that vocal kind of um, vibration of the word, yeah, just automatic shocks you. Electric sunglasses could sponsor that. Just <laughs> electric, <laughs> solid. Who's the guy there at Electric? The guy that used to be on the Billabong. Um... No, that's Von Zipper. Oh yeah, the Von Zipper guy. The yeah. guy at Electric is married to uh, Rosie Hodge. Oh okay, Ian Folky. Folky, You're thinking so, GT at yeah, that's Zipper. Yeah, yeah. And GT should be shocked. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he did get shocked. Haven't seen him for a while. Um, by the way, how many times did the WSL advertise this ambassador of Stoke and Leisure? First of all, they've spent more money advertising this position than that position's even worth. How much do you think you're going to get paid for that position? Peanuts. Did you send in your resume for that job? I thought about it yeah. for like half a second, and then I realized, you know what? They want somebody that's super green. You know, they don't want some salty dog. Plus, I can't give them the opportunity to shut me down twice. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Did you even think about it? Did you go? Heck I'm no. like, oh, you didn't. I was like, I had a moment of envy. 
No, I mean, honestly, I no, I didn't even I think, think about Chaz, it. Chaz should be the guy. That would be epic if it was Chaz. I think it's – so I think to answer your question, I don't think it pays well. I, I think no. it's just like an intern type yeah. situation. Yeah. But, again, they've spent more money advertising this thing than the job's worth. I don't understand why they're – like they didn't – did they spend this much Not effort really. trying to find a CEO? Spend? Well, how well, much do they spend? Look, well, how much do they charge for a 30-second commercial? Yeah, but – They just, ran 80 of those. I mean, if, if you look at it like that, yeah, but – you know, those are just in-house ads that if, believe me, if they had somebody buying those ads, they wouldn't have run that many ads. It's the splash landing page on their site. It's banners on their site. It's like crazy how much effort is being put into this one position. Did they put that much effort into finding the CEO? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think they did. But let me ask you this. If somebody's, are you suggesting that they took away paying splash page sponsor to put in that, put that ad up? Whether they took it away or not, maybe they didn't have anybody lined up for that. But I'm just saying, if Swatch paid a premium for that splash page, they would have given it to Swatch. Agreed. Or Hurley. Agreed. They would have. Yeah. Um, but you're right. It, it is crazy it, how it, much it was they're surprising how much it popped yeah. in your face and yeah, how many times I went. Uh, who's? It's probably going to be some girl. Will it be a girl or a guy? I have no idea. And they're going to be like 20 years old. Maybe, no, 21, right? They got to be able to drink probably to go to the bars and everything. What if they could find somebody who's like, there's so many YouTube personalities that I don't even know that have like millions of followers that have just built these audiences by doing things like holding a camera in a selfie position and going, hey, look at me. I'm here at Kaboo this weekend, you know, like that's probably what they want. How about the guy? Have you seen the, do you follow the guy that does the salt and the meat thing from Turkey? Oh yeah. Salt Bay. That that guy's insane. That guy's so good. You know what I mean? Right? Of course I know. He that guy's got like 40 million followers. He's so How good. How good would he be on the North Shore roaming around dropping salt everywhere? So you know what I mean though? Where What if they can employ somebody like I'm ta- like yeah. a YouTube personality yeah. who already has a following that makes tons of, of millions sense. of people? The thing is, is you don't get his followers because it'll be all done under a WSL social media account. Maybe part of it is, hey, you also post three yeah. times a week on your account yeah, maybe. That would lighting cool. us up. That would be super smart. That would be a great maybe that's what it filter is. for yeah. if you're like HR. You'd be like, look, don't even send me a resume unless the guy's got, I don't know, how many does he need? 100,000 followers on Insta? More than that. There's, I mean, again, there's people on YouTube who have way more than that, you know? Getting back to the contest that no one knows about. Yes. There's going to be lag time between waves. Just think of all the downtime that right. announcers are going to have. So I think we're going to see tons of B-roll. Wait, of so are you Kelly. suggesting that they're going to stream this live? I don't even live? know. I don't oh, even okay. know that. That's the thing. No one knows. I doubt it greatly or they would have been announcing it at, at the Hurley event. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be announced. Okay. I mean broadcast. Excuse me. But if it is, right, and eventually these things will get broadcast. Yeah. Tons of B-roll of Kelly surfing his wave, just promoting the crap out of this wave, right? Yeah. And – the big question, and by the way, I got a lot of these ideas. I'm pulling them straight from the Surfer Magazine message board, which did a really, those guys did a really good job of breaking this down. Okay. So I don't want to take credit for all of this. In fact, none of it. <laughs> Will this be like watching wakeboarding? Mm. Will it be boring for you, David, over yes. and over? The it same wave. Totally. And I can already tell you. Felipe is the guy who's going to win that event just based on the wave height and 
the style of wave. Like I don't see anybody surfing better than Felipe there. Um, but I do think that is a huge question mark with that wave pool in a contest as a contest venue is it's going to get so homogenized. It's going to – everything's going to look the same. What is the point of difference between two different guys? And so what I would suggest is what if they can add an implement of imperfection to the wave in a random spot, you know, like throw it's, a boulder at the bottom of the pool. But it's still going to be the same boulder appears No, no, no. It's time. different. They, they move it around for different guys on Oh, they move waves. it during the wave. Wouldn't that, that would be, be cool? insane. That would be really cool. Okay, you don't know what this wave's going to do when you take off. I think that would be super interesting. That would be almost crucial to this to be a success. Here's another concept. Another subjective sport on a format that's static, so to speak, Mm -hmm. ice skating. What do they do with ice skating? They have the ice skater pair music up to his performance, and you add that to the subjectivity. So now we have... You know, like surfing it. next, Stephanie Gilmore, and she'll be surfing to Blue Sky by the Almond Brothers. Oh, this is your dream. <laughs> yeah. You're just painting your own dream. I am. <laughs> yes, Princess Di surfing to the Almond Brothers Blue Sky. Wow. I can go ahead and die now. Peach. Isn't that good? It's amazing. What do you I think love, about music being paired to the performance? I think this is genius. I think this is... We've had surf videos that music has always played such a prominent part in our experience viewing surfing, but it's all cobbled together in post-production. This is a way to do it. And outfits? To design it. To design, design it. it. Design it. Outfits with fin boxes and fins and traction that all matches. Yes. And then you're synchronizing your surfing to the song. As soon as you paddle into the wave, the DJ knows right when to push play. Yes. And then your bottom turning... In kind of the intro, and then cracking the lip to the cymbal crash. Yes. Oh my gosh, dude! This is embrace the subjectivity. Really, I you love need to this yes. idea. Yes, love Thank this you. idea. What would you? What would you serve to? <laughs> I think I already. I would yield my time to the lovely Princess Diana Stephanie Gilmore. She can surf to Blue Sky, and I'll just watch. Wow, so benevolent. Here's an idea too. Think about you're surfing this wave over and over and over. You're getting this wave wired. You're Kelly Slater. You're Philippe Toledo. The hot move on this wave is to race out onto the shoulder as fast as you can and come flying into the barrel, mm. doing a big arcing roundhouse into the tube. So you just and that's going to be the move of the future at the Kelly Slater's wave pool. Who can drive themselves into the tube and turn inside the barrel and go back out? So I love that move. Yeah. I've seen Kelly do it and I've seen Dane do it. It's not always the cleanest, you know, when they do that the rebound kind of in the barrel, there's a moment of kind of repositioning and yes. like chandeliering, yes. and then they kind of position, and then it barrels over them. I do love that move, but I think that there's an even better one that they will do in the wave pool. Please. Barrel roll. Absolutely friggin' They're going to have to. Yeah. Felipe is the guy, again, because he's, so, he's smaller. He's going to get in the barrel, and he's the air guy, so he's going to get in the barrel and then allow it to kind of suck him up the face and then kind of like project off the top point when he's upside down and come around and land it insane here's another thought we're going to the next level dwarf surfing so we get a bunch of dwarfs is that the pc term or is it mini people or whatever it is mini people i don't know what's what's the correct term it's mini people go with that (laughs) so we get a bunch of mini people we get a bunch of mini people surfers and they just do the most insane barrel rolls because they're so small they can fit into the most little minute areas they can be back in the tube like 
pitching a tent cooking beans. Yeah, I like it, dude. Genius. This is a genius idea. Now, there are a ton of private jets flying into the Fresno airport as we speak to be getting prepared for this event, which starts tomorrow. There's an airport closer to Lemoore than the Fresno International Airport, which is 45 minutes away from Lemoore. Okay. There's one called the Hanford Municipal Airport, mm. which is like five minutes away from Kelly Slater's wave pool. Can you imagine if the pros start pulling their boards out of the board bags and they're just destroyed from the, <laughs> from the, from the Fresno Hanford Municipal Airport baggage handlers? And then Kelly just sells them all brand new Slater Designs boards on the spot. What if they all? If it's all planned, so they have to ride. Sl- all we have is Slater designs, guys. Yeah. Here. I mean, I've I've honestly thought about that. Like, how will wave pools influence surfboard sales? You know, and there's going to be boards that are designed for the wave pool because you're obviously surfing uh, freshwater. And yeah, thin, I, I would I would think the killer board for that is the Alaya, as thin as you can possibly get. Go ahead. I'm interrupting. No, you're not. I, I mean, I'm open to hear whatever the idea is. I just thought, yeah, I thought the Firewire or like the EPS is going to be the board of choice, right? I don't. I you don't, I guess it depends how you ride the wave. I look well, at it like you want to be as – it's such a hollow wave, right, that the Alaya is going to just ride super high and just continue to drop down the – because I think catching the wave is easy. So you'll be able to catch it on a thin, thin, thin little – piece of wood and just go so fast i bet the alaya the finless board could really be something there because it's just you don't yeah. need fins but you do you do do turns you come yeah, out I mean, and then do turns uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Who knows? so i think i think eps seems like the right fit for because it's buoyant and there's no salinity there's no salt in the water um but yeah we'll see we'll see that'll be a whole different here's what i do know about surfboard choice hmm if someone gets barreled on a wave storm on Kelly Slater's waves, you're going to need to buy some guns, some bullets, and some beans because for sure the apocalypse will be upon us. So the beans are a provi- – like you're going to be eating the beans. Right. Got it. Yeah. Got it. You'll be shooting people. All right. Beans. Well, I'll make a stop at Costco this weekend. For beans, bullets, and, and, and a wave, a wave storm. storm. Right. Um, by the way, didn't you – were you involved in selling Kelly Slater surfboard for $25,000? I was promoting the sale of it for our nonprofit SurfAid, which had their big SurfAid Cup at Malibu last weekend. That's a huge number. I know. And there was one guy on the East Coast who stepped up and purchased it and really helped us SurfAid. I'm on the board of directors there. Really helped us with our fundraising campaign. So we're super stoked and yeah, very, a, very appreciative. It's a huge number. Um, we saw that board. We fondled that board. It was at the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center last time right. we were there. It was signed by Kelly. No, I think that's a different board. Oh, really? Yeah, that board's being given away oh. uh, in a golf tournament. That's sur- that that's Surfing right. Heritage and Culture Center is having a golf tournament. And by the way, you should sign up for it. Are you going to do it? No. But um, they're giving that board away there, I believe. Okay. Um, did you see Dane Reynolds on the Auk cast? No. Okay. Aki had... Another one? Didn't he do one already with Dane? No. Oh, this, okay. But I will, I will, I'm going to say that he had a podcast. Right. Because it's no longer really a podcast because now it's like on YouTube with a lot of visuals cut into it. Um, what do we call it now? What is it? It's It's just like it's a... a tra- it's just it's a involving. video piece. It's a video interview, you know? It's a video interview. Vlog something like that vlog that's a thing i didn't just make that no, up. no but it sounds so wrong like 
I know. I, I'm not really it's embracing like sup. it. Sup? Like really? That's what you came up with? Sup and vlog? That's why it's never taken off. Like that word's <laughs> been around for a while. Nobody's it embraced so it. Sounds so Eastern European. Totally. Vlog. It's like the name of your like drunk cousin i feel like it's where you would spend the night if you got way too drunk and they just needed to like keep you somewhere yeah, they put you in the vlogs off to the vlogs exactly you get shackled in <laughs> exactly <laughs> so it's like um stone all in there you know it's with like the cage, an iron so. maiden a vlog is like an iron maiden exactly anyway um aki's podcast the Ock cast they've kind of made it now a visual thing where they're cutting in surf footage and with the interview, so there's a lot to look at. And is the interview like this, like one-on-one, yeah. mono-a-mono? They're sitting in Dane's backyard in this particular one. And um, so it makes it it makes it a lot more interesting because, let's be honest, Auk was never very good in the podcast medium, you know, just with uh, audio only, listening to it. So this is much more interesting to watch and to be able to see Dane surfing and all that sort of stuff. And he, uh, Dane and Auk actually go surfing, and so you see Auk surfing and all that. But anyways... It's hilarious. It's a 40-minute interview. I got to know a little bit about Dane that made it worth my time. But what's hilarious is how ill-prepared Aki is. <laughs> it's, That's a shtick. I hope he it, sticks it. It is. Up. It kind of is. And yeah. so it didn't make me criticize him. It made it endeared me to right, him. Right, exactly, you know? exactly. I'm going to give you an example. He didn't know that Dane had a kid. <laughs> <laughs> so Dane, Dane has three kids. Well, now he does. So yeah. that was the question was like, oh, yeah, Courtney's pregnant. You know, Are you excited to be a dad? And Dane's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to be a dad again. And Ock's like, again? He goes, yeah, I have a two-year-old kid, Sammy. Oh, you do? Oh, no, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, does Dane not even follow him on Instagram? That's all that you would need to do exactly. to know that Dane has a kid. You exactly. know, like, And also, you did zero prep for this interview? Like, zero. <laughs> zero. He walked in and he saw that Courtney had a belly, and so he... That was one of his questions. I oh. guess she's pregnant. I should ask him about that. She'd probably go, is this your girlfriend? Or yeah. who is this woman? Like, let's just start at the beginning. He uh, Point number two. He didn't know that Craig Anderson was a partner in the clothing brand Former. Shut the front door. Yeah. Because he's like, he's they, he asked him about Former a little bit. <laughs> and then Dane referenced, yeah, you know, working with Craig Anderson is really cool. And Ock's like, Oh, Craig's involved? I didn't know that. That's really cool. So you guys must be good friends, huh? I was just like, Aki, you were so out of it. You were so out of it. And it's rad that he's in the position that he's in in life, but he pays zero attention to surfing. Zero. Yeah. Because that information is not hard to come by. It's just like through osmosis, I know that Craig is involved in former and that Dane has a kid. Yeah. I'm almost envious of his ignorance. He had never heard of Thomas Campbell. Shut up. <laughs> it <laughs> was he, ridiculous. The Trifin surfboard, the thruster. Does he know, know about this thing? It was shocking. So, like, because Dane at some point said, Yeah, I was worried. Oh, he's talking about the sperm whale uh, surfboard design, you know, that he did with Channel Islands for a number of years. And he goes, Yeah, that board design came from, I was on a trip with Thomas Campbell, and Auk just looked quizzically. And Dane's like, He's like a filmmaker and um, photographer, like an artist. And Hawk's like, no, no, didn't know know who Thomas Campbell was. It was excellent. Uh, Okay, and then here's my favorite point of all. I told you he's bad at interviewing. Yes. This was one of his questions. He goes, so your grandpa Bob, this is quote, so your grandpa Bob gave you your first camera when you were 18. How's that? End quote. (laughs) (laughs) 
I was like, that was hardly even a I, question. I even don't know how to answer that. Um, How's that was the end of that <laughs> statement. Like, I was like, that was hardly even a question. So then Dane, like, sits there silent for a minute and then just starts talking about the camera. But it was just like, the, what, what Aki wanted to know was, you're interested in photography and that's played a prominent role in Marine Layer's style with Super 8 and all that kind of stuff. Like, let's talk about your lo-fi aesthetic was kind of the direction he wanted to go. Sure. But instead he just goes, your grandpa gave you a camera when you were 18. How's that? Done. What do you mean? My grandpa giving me the camera or right. the fact that I was 18 when it happened or that it was Christmas? <laughs> or do you just want to know about my grandpa Bob? Pick I any can, of those. I can tell you about him. <laughs> I would it like was, to know about his grandpa Bob, actually. It was actually – it's an amazing – 40-minute interview to watch just to analyze Aki. Well, Courtney's Instagram napkin apocalypse continues to be the best Instagram on the Insta world. I am such a huge fan. And now that she's got the two twins. Yeah. And sadly, the dog passed away. That's right. But not Pam loves Ferrari boys, right? Was it, I, Or well, was it the other dog? I didn't know there was two. I feel I like Aki. they had a couple. The, the little French bulldog thing? They had a couple. One of them's gone. Okay. What, what are the names? What are the two names? I'll well, tell you. Pam is the one who's famous with the Instagram account. Okay, and what's the other one? I don't know. Well, one of them sadly has passed away. It is sad. It is very sad. <laughs> but, Rest in peace. But and and both Dane and Courtney put a thing on Instagram about it, and it was all you know well received. And he lived a happy, fruitful life, or right. she did, if it's Pam. Well, you know what's funny? I actually don't follow Napkin Apocalypse. That's sad. That's I know. not funny. That's sad. I followed a couple years ago when it was taking off, and it's just not my bag, dude. Yeah, all right. It annoyed me, and I unfollowed. Oh, yeah. I thought it was cool. But I think I'm missing out because everybody well, now loves the twins it. are everywhere, so it's kind of funny, you know, because she, she does the same sort of hijinks with the twins. Oh, she does she? The dog. That's so funny. By the way, my must-see moment. If I can go there, because yep. that's a good segue for that. Go for it. Premium violence. Oh, man. I know you've seen it. I know I'm, I'm late to the party. No, 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 no. Let's talk. But Dane does not disappoint with the full, powerful dad bod. <laughs> Dane gets raw with massive contorted aerials and powerful rail-engaged power hacks, much like we'd like to see from Stu Kennedy on the WSL. And a fine mix, which we do see from Stu Kennedy. And a fine mix of perfect waves and slightly torn up beach breaks. So what's cool about this is you see Dane in full Danedom. Yeah. And you see what I really love about it is that it's not all perfect waves. Right. That it's not all super front lit, you know. Um, who's the classic photographer that passed away from Surfing Magazine? Oh, Flame. Flame. It's not all Flame front lit. It's got like black and white. There's some grainy aesthetic. There's... Some bumpy, hideous beach break. Um, there is this one random stop in the action, though, David, that you need to, you'll have to see to understand, but it's a series of phrases, and it's, or it could be perhaps one long poem. And it it's, is the poem. And it's read aloud by a child. The name of the poem is Ram the name. Premium Violence. Yeah, exactly. And it focuses on colors, and there's phrases like, and I quote, rage glows of green. Shape cast in blue virtue. And I'm not sure what all this means, David. Maybe that's the point. Yeah, it's poetry. Or maybe it doesn't mean anything. And for me, that's certainly the case. It comes off as an attempt to be intellectual or artsy or both at the same time. But it left me scratching my head. And again, maybe the joke is on me. 
I don't know, but surf videos need to stop being so hard to understand. Just make your point and move on. And the point of surf videos is surfing. Save the intellectual stuff for drink in hand cocktail banner at the next former surf team soiree. God honors action, so get to the action for God's sake. And oh, there's plenty of epic action and premium violence. So that one little bit, sort of interesting, I guess, but not really why I'm here to watch the movie. Yeah. Um, the surfing, as I mentioned, it takes place at different spots. Cold water, warm water, blue water, black and white. It's really well edited. And um, I guess that my ultimate proposition bet to you, David, after I've watched this video, is how much will Dane Reynolds weigh when he's 40 years old? Like, Dude, He could be question. like Willie Morris. Like, He could seriously be like 280 pounds. It's weird. There's some people that gain weight like – all over their body and Dane's one of those guys he's just plumping up it's not like he gains a gut it's but how not, old is Dane? Uh, he said it in that interview I want to say 30 31 okay when he's 41 yeah, yeah. in 10 years his body type but, if he doesn't like make an attempt he could be that guy that you see at your 10 year high school reunion and you're like holy shit yeah that guy I didn't even recognize him he's 280 yeah but it, again, and it's everything genetic. thickens it's up. Dude, his in that interview, I had the exact same thought watching the Occast. It was like his chin and his kind of jowls and all of that just got wider. And it's like I don't, <laughs> I don't think you can lose weight in your jowls. I think that just it's genetics. You know, it's he's an endomorph, right? He is. So, and, but it's just he's slowly getting wider. Um, it's just funny to kind of watch, but you can't criticize it because his surfing is freaking gnarly oh my god and it's actually better have you seen premium violence yeah how good is it it's insane when he posted the instagram i was working i was on the sofa but i was working on my computer he posted that instagram everything stopped for you everything (laughs) he posted that instagram i'm like in the middle of sex and you would have been like taking a break honey (laughs) just stay right there actually why don't you watch this will be fun for you too. (laughs) you're gonna like this more than me (laughs) uh look at that dad bod so i mean seriously the surfing is so so gnarly, and so that this calls into question: Does it Can matter? Dane sustain this? Can Dane? Dane's now got three kids, full family life, dad bod taken over. Can he do these airs and do these turns next year? Uh, next year, yeah, but that's why I'm saying ten years from now. Like, let's just jump ahead ten years and just go. Right. What's it going to look yeah. like? Is he going to be? A dude that fishes out of the Ventura Harbor and just like fishes all the time. He's just going to become a fisherman. Yeah. Like that's kind of how I see this going. Yeah, I see him as good for him. Yeah, no, more power to him. Yeah, I'm not against that at all. But I, just jump ahead ten years. Like, what's he look like and what's he doing? Yeah. I see him fishing off of a really cool fishing boat and maybe even making money doing it. I don't know. And posting photos of halibut that he caught, rockfish that he caught. You know. Coming in and out of the Ventura Harbor. And like reading a, not pom- reading a poem while he's holding no, the No, no, no. That poem thing, that's not his deal. That's somebody else got involved with the poem thing. I think that's his deal. Really? Well, I, he, Warren Smith is involved in the company. Austin Gillette's a skater. I think Warren Smith was hired on as like the creative director, oh, then, the art director. Warren did the poem. Yeah, I could see that. Um, did you? How do you feel about the whole vibe of the company? I don't care one way or the other. I don't think former is a very good – I thought premium violence is almost a better name for a brand. But even that's not a well, great name. That's for, the name of this whole line of clothing. Oh, is it? Yeah. Uh, so it's like this is the premium violence I don't know. Line. It's kind of dark. Everything's really dark. Like yeah. there's a lot of like dark symbolism. Like remember how at the end there, there's like yeah. these weird – It's Shapes. It could be like a 
like a T-shirt for Slayer at a Slayer concert. I feel like they're approaching it like you would build a cult. Yeah, like it's a got, religion. It's got a very, um, yeah, emo kind of. Yeah, yeah. There's the circle that they use. Yeah, it's, it's all, like a hand-drawn circle, and I'm like, that is the equivalent to like. Um, it could the, be a Stephen the, it, King it, graphic or, for a new movie, or something. It, or it could be the the Star of David, or the. You know, like religions use these symbolism, obviously a cross, things like that. That's what they're doing. It's like this branding is this thing. It's going to be on necklaces probably at some point, you know, and they're just building this cult former. That's what I think. I, I, yeah, it definitely is going down that road. It's going to be a cult. <laughs> it's going to be, we're going to see them. Worshippers of former. Gonna, just outside of Lamar, they're going to be like, there's going to be a compound. The name that they wanted to use was Destroyer. Back in the day, and I, I thought Destroyer actually sounds pretty cool, but the guy that owned the URL wanted like 50000 bucks for it, and they were like, F you, we're changing the name. I don't know. I mean, Destroyer's pretty black. I just don't think you want to go that route if you're trying to build a brand that's going to sustain itself. Like the, I just think you, you want to kind of be more generic almost, you know, so you can adapt it. No. Yeah, I think they're they're doing the exact opposite. They're yeah. like we're building cult following that of like loyal loyal kids, you know. Mm. Um so my must see moment is actually Kelly Slater's Continuance Part 2. Did you watch this? Nah, I didn't. This is the single greatest surf film I've seen when he breaks in his years. foot at J-Bay and yeah. Sean Thompson's in it. Yeah. I heard Sean Thompson's really good in it. Sean's amazing. Yeah. So it's like I said, the sing- it's 17 minutes long, I think, but the single greatest surf related film that I've seen in years, maybe. Why? Three act structure. It's like a full film in 17 minutes. And I'll give you the overview uh, as if you don't already know it, but Kelly Slater is our fallen champ, right? Like the guy's 20th in the world and he's going into J Bay, which is an event that he's won a bunch of times. So they open up the video with actually, um, the street kids talking about how surfing has saved their lives. And uh, it's part of an organization that Kelly's involved in, but they basically say, Kelly, he surfs differently than other quote. He surfs differently than other guys. He makes the impossible possible. You gotta be impossible is what this kid is saying. And then it cuts to Sean Thompson doing a voiceover of setting the scene for South Africa and all its glory and the importance of these waves and all this. And we have our fallen hero, Kelly, who's returning to this spot that we all know that he loves and does well at. He surfs his first round heat and he absolutely obliterates his competitors. And he's riding um, a Dan Mann shape, actually. So he's on like new equipment and he's freaking, it's like, oh my gosh, he's coming back. Well, then right before he ascends to the throne, the unexpected happens, breaks his foot in a free surf session. So high drama, you know, and they got all of that on video, pulling him out of the water, goes into recovery. And it's like, man, just when we thought our hero was getting back into form, this happens. So then it starts tracking that and his headspace while he's dealing with that. And what he ends up doing is actually resetting his headspace completely. And, he uses his time to spend with these kids. It's kind of like after all the heartbreak and heartache of getting back on track, um, he's now forced to spend time, quiet time, downtime. And through this kind of monologue that he has in voiceover, he explains that like he's always had a nagging back injury 
for years and years and years. And if he could ever just take six months off, he would probably be able to fix it completely, but he never can. And so what he's finding is there's a silver lining in this injury that's going to not only allow him to heal these past injuries, it's metaphorical because he's got all these other things in his life that he's been putting off by running around the world, always traveling. And now he's going to get all that stuff back on track as well. So what you think this foot injury is dethroning him, it's actually allowing him to reset everything to then fully reign supreme. And is that what you cons- consider is going to happen? Yeah. Kelly un- Kelly offers an unwitting premonition that if he only had that time off, like he doesn't, he doesn't say now I've made this conclusion in my head, but he does state like if I only had some time off to do these things, um, then I would be able to get back to the top of my game. I'm saying, well, now he has that time. My prediction is that he sits out all of 2018, takes the injury wild card in 2019, comes back, bang, gets his 12th world title, 2019. <laughs> wow, I like it. I like that you're going out on a limb like that. And I'm going to jump on that bandwagon. You heard it here first. I can. I thought it was going to be more like all those things that I needed to do. Now I get to do them, which is code for he's going to become a father Mm-mm. with his girlfriend. Maybe that that could factor into the storyline. But I really think it is what I said. All right. And could I be think, both. I think Sean Thompson is a great figure to have kind of as a narrator or yes. voice of kind of the through line yes and um interesting he just makes kind of allusions to like kelly's career and what he's doing with these kids and um the same stoke that powered kelly's drive and career is the same stoke that's keeping these kids off the street where like surfing is this thing that has all this magic within it and exactly what allowed kelly to achieve his greatness is the same exact thing that's allowing these kids to kind of um live their best life and stay off drugs and fair enough brother um i have a duke and a kook do you have that stuff i was gonna call you out as the kook you should (laughs) (laughs) feel free um you posted on your instagram stories you arriving at malibu driving driving up to the scene filming your filming the on the passing uh coastline you're the kook for filming while you're driving that's my point that's a that's valid. And you I posted would, it. I would you hit. posted it. I'm like, dude, you're breaking the law, doing something that you would tell your children not to do, and then you're advertising that you're doing it. Yeah, that's bad. It is. Terrible. And I did it on the way home as well. <laughs> I know. I saw that. after. So I screenshotted it, I think, and then I sent it to you, and I was like, dude, you're the kook of the week. Oh, no, I just direct messaged you. I was like, you're the kook of the week for advertising that you're doing this. And you I like, didn't even realize that it was... I was just so caught up in the music that I was like, people have got to hear this song. I love this song. <laughs> and I am guilty and I am the kook. It, it wouldn't be the first. It won't be the last. I thought I adequately shamed you. And then this that evening, you did it three more times. <laughs> yes. So um, Yes, well played. Your stoke was not translated to me for that music. I okay. was just critical. Anyway, I have a proper kook. Um, listen to this story, okay? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to read you excerpts from the article. This was in Wilmington, North Carolina. 
A traffic stop turned into a multi-agency sea rescue after a suspect misguidedly attempted to elude police officers by taking to the open ocean. 20-year-old Zachary Kingsbury, uh, police spotted contraband in Kingsbury's vehicle when they pulled him over, so they asked the young man to step out of his vehicle. Shortly after police began interviewing him, he took off on foot, headed towards the beach. As the Surf City police watched, Kingsbury continued running towards the ocean and began swimming away from shore. Police deployed a drone to track him, and they spotted a shark chasing him. (laughs) (laughs) So he, he averts the police only to then be chased by a shark. The guy is swimming in shorts out in the open ocean. So at one point... Um, in the drone footage provided by the police department, a shark can clearly be seen following Kingsbury through the water. At this point, Kingsbury had been swimming for nearly an hour, and he was more than 4,000 feet, the better part of a mile, off the coast. That's when, according to the police chief, the chase, quote, became a rescue mission. A fire marine unit, the U.S. Coast Guard, and the city's fire department and police were all dispatched to join the effort. After a nearly two-hour search, Kingsbury was taken into custody. Gnarly. How good is that, that, dude? crazy, man. Chased by a shark. What kind of shark was it? I don't know. Hmm. know, I don't know what kind of sharks they have there in North Carolina. Hmm. Um, I mean, I think they have everything. It probably was like a bull shark or a nurse shark, but... It's hard to say. Who knows? They have everything in North Carolina. It okay. could have been a great white. I'll post the footage on spitpodcast.com and then on Instagram. How um, stoked was the guy when he found out that did, – did they tell him? Like They didn't do the follow-up. Um, it was just they showed his mug shot and that was it in the article that I saw. Well, He didn't know the shark was there. Though. Oh, he didn't? No. Yeah. But like you could see it from the drone. You could see the shark tracking him. Like, that's, that's classic. Yeah. My uh, Duke is Mark Price. That's my Duke Kahanamoku, Mark Price from Firewire Surfboards. Firewire was in the SurfAid Cup. Mm. They've won it many years, like almost every year of the Firewire team. Yeah, because they, they got like oh, – They've got Taylor Jensen and Mark Price and Chewy Reyna and – They had Rob Machado. Rob Machado yeah. and Johnny Norris who ripped. And um, this year they were in a, a neck-and-neck um, – battle for first place with this Becker surf team, which had Alan Sarlo and Mitch Taylor and some other guys. And they were neck and neck. And it ends up they tied. Becker and Firewire team, they tied in points hmm. for first place in the Surf Aid Cup. And Mark Price generously just said, you know what, in the spirit of what Surf Aid's all about and about giving, we're going to give the title over to Becker Surf and Sport. So Mark Price is my duke for giving up the the title during this tie and just Giving the championship to Becker. Sweet. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, did you guys get waves for that event? Waves were tiny. Oh, okay. Yes. Waves were do? so small that I I was in the semis and I didn't show up for my heat. <laughs> I left. Because you just didn't want to surf it? Yeah. It, it wasn't just, worth it? It was just tiny. Wow. Yeah. Bummer. It would have cost me like 150 bucks to spend the night in Malibu and then another 50 bucks in food. And I was like, 200 bucks to surf my semifinals and... Literally like one foot. Oh, know? okay. And I was, was like, going to run the next morning. Yeah, it was like the next day at noon. So I was like, eh. Over it. I'm out. Yeah. Smart. It would been one thing if it was even three foot. You yeah. Know, but it was 18 inches, 12 to 18 inches. You know? Yeah. Well, so I bailed to save money. 
Uh, not to end on a sad note, but my Duke is the kid Xander Venezia. Oh, yeah. that's Because sad. I knew that kid. Oh, I'm sorry. I know. I was tripping when I saw the Instagram post. I, I didn't know him well, but I spent one week with him on a surf trip in Central America with him and his dad, actually, Lou. And um, it was like three years ago, I'd say. So it's been a while. And I haven't maintained contact, but I did spend a full week in the same house with the guys and uh, all day, every day. And we had a blast together. And when I saw that pop up on Instagram, I was like, oh, my God, Xander's a pretty unusual name. That's that is the same Xander kid that I was. So I texted my our mutual friend. And he goes, no way. Unbelievable. And so I think everybody's read the stories. Um, about what happened. He was uh, surfing really big day in Barbados, which is where he lived and uh, his family lives and all that sort of stuff. And um, basically just got pounded on a, pa- on a duck Inside dive. section at yeah. Soup Bowls. Got right? like a sick wave and then was paddling back out and just got smashed kind of on the duck dive. And um, Nathan Florence, Dylan Graves, a bunch of pros were out there for that big hurricane swell. And so Nathan Florence actually saw his board tombstoning or just floating on the surface so he ran, swam over there paddled over there pulled his body out and it's a really treacherous uh, mission to get back to the beach over reef and stuff so it took him a while to get him and he ended up being pronounced dead later uh i guess just to blunt force trauma is what it's going to be attributed to or was attributed to and um, so super sad he was 16 years old and um just unbelievably nice kid and i have nothing but positive memories about him um, so really, really horrific situation and a good reminder though, exercise caution and look out for everybody else that's in the lineup and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's sad. I'm sorry to hear that. I, you know, randomly I was looking at soup bowls that day cause I knew the hurricane was pumping, you know, and actually I think Surfline had put it on their home feed, you know? Oh, okay. So when you open up Surfline, there's like cam of the day and soup bowls was the cam of the day and it was pumping. I saw... I must have seen, I don't know, six or seven waves go unridden, like in a row. Seven waves in a row, perfect soup bowl. And I was like, and I didn't see any surfers in the water at all. I saw nobody in the water. Hmm. And I'm wondering if maybe it's because that happened and people got out. Or I don't oh, know. Maybe. I don't even know. But it was just so weird that I was watching literally perfect soup bowls and nobody. Not I couldn't even see a surfer. I, I saw no one. Have you ever surfed there? I have surfed there. How was it? It was fun. It was small, um, you know. You know, nothing special. It was like two to four feet. Yeah. You know, just kind of little, little chunky, little blown out, little disorganized. Kelly, super, super fun. Kelly Slater has said it's his favorite wave on the planet. I don't know that he still feels that way. Um, it looks so fun. It's super rippable. It's kind of like V Land. It's yeah. kind of like just a super rippable right that offers a barrel and offers these you know different little chunky sections, and it's really a fun wave. Yeah. Well, um, I remember an image from a trip that one of the magazines did there in the nineties. And it was like Ross Williams, Pat O'Connell, Saxon Boucher. Um, and I remember one image of Ross Williams in a barrel. It was like a shoulder to head high barrel. It was the most perfect barrel with the most perfect style and stance and positioning that I had seen at that point in my life. And that I can even maybe remember seeing that made me want to book a plane ticket. I was too young to book a plane ticket, but I was like, that is exactly what I want to do with my life and achieve that at some point. Like that is perfection. Cool. You know, like not, not death defying, not threatening, just like amazingly perfect. So. Cool. Yeah. All right. 
All right, man. Well, spitpodcast.com, Scott. Spit, yeah. Spitpodcast.com. That's where you can get spit. And um, David does a lot of hard work putting together the imagery and stuff like that from the stuff that we talk about, which at some point I should take on some of that role. Sweet. I mean, yeah. I know you're a perfectionist, though. You don't want to see me slow throwing no, crappy shit up on there. Uh, <laughs> as long as I get editing power in the end. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, sure. But we should also say this this show, speaking of work, this show survives solely on donations at this point. So um, we have a donation link set up there. Feel free to drop some change into the bucket. Yeah, we need the change, actually. We do need the change. We need the change. Like. It, we need some now. People have stepped up, but we need more people to step up. So, if you enjoy the show, please donate some money so that David and I can continue the uh, good fight here. By the way, I had a thought. Yeah, you know what would be cool is have Chaz instead of being the WSL ambassador, have Chaz shadow follow the person that is the WSL ambassador and just do a bunch of stories on following the guy who becomes the ambassador. Wouldn't that be cool? That's such a good idea, yeah. dude. That is so funny. Somebody pay Chaz to follow the WSO ambassador and just kind of make... Just make, to harass him. Well, you know, maybe not harass him, but Chaz will find a way to make it funny. I, I don't mean like harass him in person, but like whatever article he writes that night is about um, that person putting... Could, the vitriol putting, that putting he, ketchup on his hot dog at lunch because yeah. what kind of a monster would do that you know like clearly mustard what, is the what right he's choice. wearing yeah, like, things like the vitriol that he throws at Zach Weisberg exactly. on the inertia he could throw at this person for a six week period exactly it would be great yeah anyway uh, okay until next time well wait to reach David yeah, it's hello at, at surfsplendorpodcast.com that's the email and then on Instagram at surfsplendor and I'm at boardroom show on Instagram and you can reach me I've been getting a lot of emails at Scott at Surfboard Show or Scott at Boardroom Show, so that's fine. Cool. <laughs> or another one. I'll throw another one at you. Scott at BoardroomShow.com. Scott at BoardroomShow.com. I've had people email me and they go, can you forward this to Scott? I never know. I, I don't know if it's the right email. I've heard all of his email addresses, <laughs> but I don't know if he'll get it if I send it. So just you handle it. Oh, lordy. And then I have to figure out which one is actually the right one. <laughs> Well, until next time, we enjoyed spitting with you. Um, I've got a spittoon here in front of me, and it's filled to the brim. We're going to throw it out now. Let's go shred, dude. Okay, shred the gnar. Adios and aloha. Until next time.
Yeah.